Blog Talk Radio. Biden-Harris yeah. ticket now. 
so we are ready to kind of figure out what is going to happen in that particular situation. But let me say this. We're going to balance it out because we're going to have a great discussion, and I'm so, so happy that we have some powerful sisters. We have a guest tonight. We're going to get to her later. But I'm so happy that, you know, I'm usually the co-host for Dr. Ava, and tonight I got a co-host. I got a, I got someone who's going to get on and make this show lively, give us some information, and be with us as she's always with us the whole show. So we're going to let my co-host for tonight go ahead and <laughs> do her thing, drop her jewels, light it up straight from our national center. My co-host for tonight, Sister Mari Young. Assalamualaikum. Praise be to Allah. <laughs> Wa alaikum salam. Such an honor. Such an honor. Um, you know, we have a we got a brief COVID update tonight uh, because I'm I'm just so excited. I really want to hear from our guest speaker this evening. Um, and this 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 Corona right now. I mean, the numbers are going up, as we know. Um, more and more people are becoming lax. They're thinking that it's gone or, you know, the big hype is over. So when you go out, you see people, some are not wearing their mask. Um, I went over in Indiana just to literally go grocery shopping, and they really do not want to wear their mask over there. Um, So people have become lax. Indiana schools have started back. They started back on Monday, and they are in the classroom. So we'll see how that will turn out. Um, One of our sisters who was in MGT uh, teaches in Indiana, and she was saying how nervous she is. But she also was saying how it's not going to work because children will not wear their masks all day. She constantly has to tell them to separate, stop touching each other. I mean, these children haven't seen each other all summer. So they're happy to see their friends. So it's hard to keep them separated. It's hard to tell children, keep washing your hands. So it is hard to keep a sanitary, safe environment. Now, of course, here in Chicago, last week, um, Mayor Lightfoot announced that Chicago public schools will be remote the first semester in the fall. However, the suburbs have already announced that they will take their students back into school. So this is it's, it's really interesting. I, I'm definitely going to stay peeled to it because I want to see what happens over the next couple of weeks because, of course, as we've seen in Georgia, the, um, they went back to school, and now they have over 800 people quarantined because right. they went back into the classrooms. So let's, let's see how, this, how Chicago and, and Indiana turn up in a few days too. And then, of course, Russia has announced a vaccine that they claim is effective, and, um, of course, the United States is arguing with them, saying it's not about who comes out with the vaccine first, but more so to make sure it's safe and effective, as if the United States is really interested in being safe. But what I thought was really interesting is that Russia said they gave it to the people who needed it the most. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, look at that. So they can, of course, the United States is going to use that as look at what Russia did just to say blacks need it the most here in America. And they said that under their law, they um, enforced that those who needed it the most had to get it. So, of course, that sounds just it's similar to us here in the United States trying to do the exact same thing. 
So, again, I'm going to stay peeled to it because I want to see how with the children going back to school, they putting our babies at risk and what's going to happen, what will be the outcome from that. Um, And, of course, you know, we had the looting. We had our young black folks go downtown (laughs) last week. Um, But, unfortunately, because a 20-year-old black male was shot 15 times by the police, and um, they were streaming it live. It was on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, right. everywhere, all the formats. And people were, the first thing we did was we started to attack the young people. And I'm like, stop it. What, what are you doing? Help them. Guide them. But they have a right to express their dissatisfaction and their disappointment. And considering the fact that the things that the young people are doing keeps exposing injustice because of course as soon as they did that our governmental staff here in Chicago sends 400 police officers downtown to secure broken windows and to secure some merchants and the buildings yet you don't have the staff, you don't have the personnel to send into black people communities to stop the killing to prevent the babies and the women from getting shot? Really? But you have 400 police officers to send up north in white folks' neighborhood to protect white folks' money because you're not protecting no lives. You went down there to protect broken windows, but you do nothing for broken families. You're not doing anything for our broken communities. So I stand behind the youth. I'm not an advocate for looting, but I'm an advocate for letting them know that you are dissatisfied, you are fed up, and enough is enough. So that's my portion for now because I have some questions for our special guest as well because I'm really <laughs> excited to hear from her. <laughs> that is wonderful. That is wonderful. I'm glad you did touch on, um, you know, touch on the situation in Chicago because there's a lot of attention yes. In Chicago, and you know, also we're still and still, still, still um, fighting for justice for uh, our sister Brianna Taylor. Uh, today, That's the right. National Urban League had their State of Black America 2020 mass. Uh, conversations that they shared and talked about. So there's a lot that's going on across the country, uh, especially in the 2020 elections coming up. Everybody dealing with voting, election frauds, and getting stuff set up. And like I said, this this whole ticket. So there's 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 a lot there's a lot to unpack. And I know our callers got a lot um, for us. But before we leave. Um, before we go um, to next, some of our contributors, and well, before we go to our guests, I want to go, of course, we got to go all the way down. And once again, y'all are tuned in to Elevated Places. This is Brother Terrence Muhammad and my co-host, Sister Mariam, tonight. Uh, Dr. Abel is not here, but we still want you to make sure that y'all call and let everybody know that we're on. We're still going to have a great discussion. We want you in That's tune, right. but we want to go right now to the land down under to our brother, brother Ruben, he's at the top of the hour tonight, so we're so happy to hear his voice. Assalamu alaikum. Oh. Yes. Wa salam, brother and sister and listeners and everybody around the world. How are you all doing today? Great by well, his grace. Allah. Oh, praise right. you to Allah. 
Well, we, uh, if you can hear my voice a little bit, it is winter time here. So we have, uh, we're dealing with the, the wow. double-edged sword, winter flu and COVID at the mm. same time. So okay, y'all can keep um, that. I, 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 oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We good That's over right. here. Yeah. You work that exactly. out. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, whatever's happening, we're a little bit ahead of you in time and season. So um, this is a good chance for everyone to pick up on a few things because winter is coming to the Northern Hemisphere soon. And, uh, well, you know, and unfortunately we'll probably have even more COVID-19 infections at the same time because there's no, um, you know, there's no sign of this slowing down in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But um, I wanted to update you very quickly. The situation here in Melbourne, Australia, I wasn't able to get on uh, the show at a good time last week simply because uh, we were uh, dealing with an international COVID panel uh, trying to help uh, our people wherever they may be and giving them uh, certain advice and direction and foresight because uh, we now have the examples wherever uh, other nations may be, whether it's New Zealand, whether it's Vietnam, whether it's China, or even Australia, who have managed to uh, handle COVID in certain ways to minimize the death toll. But all of that said, Melbourne, Australia is now the COVID capital. And uh, what we are going through now is not just uh, what they call stage four restrictions, where uh, no one is supposed to work unless you're an essential worker, uh, or, or certain uh, certain sectors you're allowed to, you know, uh, to to work, but very few people at a time. It's got to be down to like 25% of the normal uh, workers. But more, most importantly, is that um, we are under curfew as well. So we have a curfew that runs from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., all of the borders are still physically shut. Uh, That means, uh, you know, there's police and army, there's military. And for the lack of a better word, we have what is um, a police state or martial law uh, under the guise of public health. So that's something to uh, pay attention to because no doubt with what uh, Sister Mariam explained what we're watching uh, here uh, on the international uh, television shows, CNN and others, we see what uh, is going on in Chicago and other cities. And I believe that um, as this gets even worse and worse, especially in America, that is something that may very well be introduced under the guise of public health. And then there's consequences of that as well. Very similar, very very simple consequences that are happening here. As an example, is not only are you having um, uh, the the uh, panic buying that has happened again, but what actually the reality is, they will they are food shortages, and the math is very simple. Here in Australia, as an example, most of the fruits and vegetables that are picked are done by what they call foreign workers, backpackers and others who get a visa to enter the country, and hundreds of thousands of those would be here right now. In fact, uh, the the, uh, airport in my city here usually gets about 1.4 million visitors every week, they say, coming through. And, of course, that's shut now. No one can come in. No one can go. uh, No one can leave. There's no way to get out of this state. So those people are not 
present to help pick fruits and vegetables and food and other things. So now we are having at least a 30% less farm output. So whatever is available goes very quickly, very expensive. So again, following the wise guidance that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has given us, according to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, is prepare, prepare, prepare to be at home for a long time and make sure you have and are stocking up on your food supplies because once you run out of food, you will be out, of the st- out in the streets trying to find something. And that is when, uh, especially that, that things will can will or can go wrong, like we're seeing in Chicago, where the enemies will come out and attack, especially the youth and anyone else, and we could very easily lose our lives. So these are things that you can look um, look ahead, see what's going on here in Australia. New Zealand, unfortunately, had managed to contain the virus, and New Zealand's literally next door to us here in Australia. Uh, however, 102 days they went without any new cases. And now all of a sudden uh, they had one family and 14 more new cases. I know that doesn't sound like much, but uh, they had contained this virus. And um, unfortunately it's back now. And the method that they believe it transmitted back into New Zealand wasn't with people. It was actually through frozen uh, meat and frozen uh, beef or lamb products. So, Again, this virus uh, travels however it travels. It will travel in any kind of parasite or any kind of um, method to get into your nation, into your country, into your home, into your kitchen. So you have to be careful and uh, take all of the precautions that we've talked about, and there's so many, but uh, and you've got to be on top of that just to make sure that yourself, your family, and your community are safe as well. Uh, a couple of other things on the international front. One of the biggest things that um, was being um, uh, looked at this week was the 75th anniversary as well of the dropping of the first atomic bomb in Hiroshima 75 years ago. So uh, we can go back and see what the effect of that was. And uh, two bombs were dropped on Japan, one in Hiroshima and one in Nagasaki as well uh, a few days later. And that is what brought about the surrender of the Japanese and began the downfall of that whole nation and to where they are today, uh, being dominated by America and the Western powers. Uh, good. Uh, we, we have it in our, in, our, in our studies and in our lessons. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave us a lot of information about the wars and why they went to war and what took place during the war. And uh, that was around the time as well that he was... Um, had been arrested from 1942 onwards until the end of the war. And uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has taught us very very clearly. Uh, and uh, you can go in the time and what must be done. I've got to, I've got to give that a plug, Brother Terrence. Uh, available on YouTube, the time and what must be done. And uh, all of the... Uh, uh, all of the parts that he gave to us, especially coming towards the end, 58, 59, I think even 57, dealing with the wheel, we need to go and restudy those because we are at that time that uh, he mentioned we would be in. And again, we were told about this very clearly from many, many years ago where we would be, but of course, experiencing a pandemic uh, and reading about it are two completely different things. 
the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us uh, that we would go through chemical and biological warfare and uh, that the enemy had been planning on uh, how to kill us all, the death plan, not just in America, but around the world. And uh, vaccines, uh, you mentioned them before, here in Australia, they actually just completed. They completed. And I know we don't have a lot of time to get uh, into it here, but go on to Google. Google is your friend. Search it. You can read about the Australian trial that just finished for the COVID vaccine-19. A lot of Australian volunteers rolled up their sleeves and allowed to be injected with whatever was in there. And now they're getting ready. They're rushing as well to get the vaccine out to the people. And again, their language is the same. The most vulnerable, and here the most vulnerable are the poor Aboriginal black people because they're the ones who uh, have uh, bad health by design and uh, are put in bad circumstances. That's right. So. They will be one of the first communities, as long as, as well as the, you know, they say the elderly, elderly and vulnerable. So we have to follow the guidance, the wise guidance that the minister gave us. July 4th, the criterion, continue to share that around the world uh, with all your people, you know, all the people on your social networks. And also let us keep in mind, we have seen uh, some of what that uh, the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan told us would start to take place in the so-called Middle East. And I say so-called because that part is really North Africa. Uh, We saw the huge, tremendous explosion that happened in Lebanon, uh, in Beirut, the capital, and of their consequence and the fallout from that has now been the uh, government has resigned and that part of the world has been shaken up uh, together with not just civil war that has been going on and violence, uh, but now there's COVID and now what took place. The fallout from that as well, uh, I learned this morning, is many of the Arab states are falling in line. The first one has been the United Arab Emirates which has now normalized relations with Israel, recognizes Israel. So behind all of that was President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu. So, uh, and I'm sure Trump is, has been talking about it on Twitter all day, all night for us, because uh, it kept my phone buzzing in the middle of the night. But uh, again, that part of the world, the minister told us what would take place with the wars and the destruction, all to maintain this, the superiority or the supremacy of uh, the Israeli nation that uh, they're trying to do to take control of the Holy Land and remain and get back to where they believe they came from. So. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be on for the rest of the show, and I want to hear from everyone. So callers come in, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. As-salamu alaykum. Alaykum Thank you, Brother Ruben. Thank you very much. And we got a lot. See, I told you all, they dropping it, Sister Marianne. They dropping it a lot. But we want to hear from one more of our contributor before we get to our special guest tonight. So we're going to let Sister Pamela slide right on here, give some words, and we're going to go right to our special guest. Yes, sir. As-salamu alaykum. Alaykum. Yes, it's so... um, Awesome to be on this panel again tonight on the Elevated Places. And, um, you know, unfortunately, as we talk about the breakdowns and the families that is being caused by this COVID uh, pandemic, you know, to a community that was already suffering uh, because of our refusal and rebelliousness to follow the teachings, 
uh, of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and under the guidance of the minister, uh, you know, our people are really suffering. We are now looking at a wave of mass eviction. This is the newest um, threat on the horizon for black women, especially um, as the CARES Act has been um, allowed to expire. Black women are facing the greatest threat of losing their homes, uh, so say the news reports in many states, because uh, according to this article, 73% of white families own their homes. But, you know, compared to black people, uh, we just got 41% of black families and 49% of Latino families. So, therefore, we're almost at, um, we're at a, a much heightened level of eviction with the 16 million unemployed, you know, the, you know, 30 to 40 million people could be at risk for evictions. And, you know, we know uh, this, this, this condition that we see, and, and we've been told that we would have to do for self or suffer the consequences because they're quoting saying that it would take between $81 billion to $162 billion at this point to even help renters, you know, over the six-month period. Now, we know they're printing the money and they can do it, but uh, when it comes to black and brown people, we've just been, um, you know, uh, continuously uh, uh, mistreated and uh, just really targeted for genocide by these these people. So, you know, that really brought into mind for me um, this issue of human trafficking, and I know we're going to talk about it more, but human trafficking, as everyone knows, is, you know, that means... that's modern-day slavery and affecting uh, some 40.3 million people worldwide. And I know we're going to talk about it later as well, but, you know, one of the things that really bothered me is that um, the experts have said that, you know, we're especially vulnerable. Uh, people that don't have stable residences, they don't have family, rep- you know, support. And so those that's one of the factors that we see uh creating the vulnerability for sex trafficking. And so now we're looking at family instability and evictions due to the pandemic just at a major, major rise. And this is, you know, an issue. Um, And then as, again, we're looking at um, human trafficking and it really being a factor about this over-sexualization. And I just got to bring this home and say that, my my perceptive on this video that recently was put out by the, well that the women were a participant in by the name of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, I believe that that video you know because we talk often about how the you know Jewish people control the music industry, I believe that that video was a promotion of sex trafficking because the over sexualization that we see in that video and as Sister Ava has uh, brought out a really wonderful point many times. You know, pornography is at the core of of this problem. And we know that pornography is like uh, over several billion dollar industry. Pornography makes more money than Hollywood combined. Um, the Netflix, the Apple, and all that combined, that's your budget for pornography. And so when we see this over-sexualization, um, and it's $13 billion 
there's a $13 billion industry uh, every year. So when we see this over-sexualization uh, being pushed upon by our women, it really looks to me like grooming because, you know, we are often told that it's not just that they hold people captive. They actually lure people into sex trafficking a lot of times because of vulnerabilities like here we got this big, you know, poverty. People are in their homes. I believe they're trying to draw people out of their homes. And like some of the experts are saying, another misconception is that trafficking individuals are held against their will. And this expert says that can happen, but quite often what's holding those victims is a psychological hole that we refer to sometimes as trauma bonding or Stockholm syndrome. So, you know, we're looking at the trust that some our young people put in their entertainers sometimes that this is just entertainment, but we know this, again, looked like grooming to me because I saw the big house. You see the brooms. You see the madams, you know, at calling themselves what we know is the, you know, main uh, people in sex trafficking, the only thing you didn't see was the men, you know, and I think that was part of the deception on that. So I really think that we have to sound the alarm in these instances and say enough is enough and keep watchful because our people are really in crisis as we're looking for places to, you know, housing, we're looking for food, uh, we're looking for uh, some real crisis, you know, because we're people are need. Uh, being denied basic needs um, in this pandemic. So I wanted to just throw that out there. Uh, again, I say I think the video was a promotion for sex trafficking, and that is uh, my report. Thank you. Uh, As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Wa alaykum yep, You set the stage. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So Absolutely. we are going to jump right into it now since you done laid it out and and, and made that point. So you know we got to discuss <laughs> your point. But once again, everyone, <laughs> you are tuned one. in. And let, let me make my uh, 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 clarification right quick. I want to make sure everybody know. You are tuned in to Elevated Places. You are. I am here. This is Brother Terrence Muhammad with my guest co-host, uh, tonight, Sister Mari Yam is on the line, and I am so thankful that we have Sister Pamela. I am so thankful we have Sister Mari Yam. I am so thankful <laughs> that we have our guests to come on. And the reason why I say this is because the topic um, that so we're going to talk about really needs uh, for our sisters to be on here and for me to be listening, yes, for me yes, to be paying attention to what is going to be the discussion tonight because what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, the image just displayed in WAP, uh, reality TV, and other false narratives mm. of black women. We're going to talk about oh. who are we and whose we are. And I guess we're going to talk right. about that tonight is Sister Michonne registered in the Nation of Islam, Sister Student Captain of New Orleans for over a year now. Now, this sister, she came in in 1998. She moved to D.C. Now, let me also say this. I'm a person who is over a group called the Greensboro Health Disparities Collaborative. I work with hospitals. I'm into this climate justice. 
So I'm into the areas, and so I'm just so excited as I read her bio and see all of the things that she's in because I'm working in the area of public health. And she went to D.C. to pursue her master's training in public health with a concentration in maternal child health, which is very key that people need to understand about maternal and child health, particularly around black women and racism and that uh, infant mortality death rate. But also after birthing her daughter, naturally, of course, in the birth center in D.C. area, her passion for helping women to birth in a manner of dignity and peace was recognized. She is the mother of three dynamic daughters who she homeschooled for four years. All right, now, college freshman, college uh, college freshman uh, attending an HBCU on scholarship, an accomplished swimmer in gymnastics. Uh, she has been a public health professional for over 18 years, working as healthcare executive, a doula, uh, hyperbirthing educator, breastfeeding advocate, and researcher. And doulas are necessary out here. She is founder of Her yes, Institute and co-founder of NOLA Baby Care and is currently working at the Institute of Women and Ethnic Studies doing research and policy work in maternal and child health. That research is very critical for black women. So this show is going to be very, very, very informative, and you need to really tune in and let everybody know. She is humbled as she is, as I stated, the student MGT captain in New Orleans, New Orleans, where, if you didn't know, uh, we're about to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Go to Katrina15.com, Katrina15.com, to learn more about the celebratory things that are going on down in New Orleans. But at this time, let me welcome our sister student, Captain Sister Michonne, to Elevated Places. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How are you all? Oh, great. you already know we great. <laughs> Waiting to hear from our sister. Ma'am? I said waiting to hear from our sister. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Thank you, Brother Terrence, uh, for the bio, and thank you all for having me on tonight to talk about all that I love to talk about, uh, the Nation of Islam and black women. I can talk about that all day, and I'm just so happy that um, I have been able to incorporate what we believe in and what we're taught in the Nation of Islam in my work. And so uh, I've been working very avidly for 18 years to make sure that I can do what I enjoy doing and in the way that I want to do it. Uh, so I started off doing uh, just breastfeeding promotion work in the community. And that was rewarding because uh, in Louisiana, still to this day, we have the lowest breastfeeding rates, and I moved on to doing more state-level work. And then I had the opportunity to run a health center and thinking about how, like, changing the condition of our com- people and changing the narrative of how we provide care for our people in that community health center. I was thinking about it today. Um, we asked or I asked, as a part of the professional development to Dr. Lean to come down to train all of the doctors and nurse practitioners. And so it changed. We were changing the doctors from being uh, just giving out medicine to where we 
sometimes we call it how to eat to live, but at the community health center, we were calling it a prescription for produce program. Well, we got the doctors to stop writing a prescription every time a patient came in, but to recommend or prescribe them to take going some produce at our farmer's market. So I was very happy about that. But now um, I'm only doing work with black, maternal, and infant health right now. The minister said in his address that we have to do our research. And he one of the titles that he talked about was an epidemiologist. And that's some of what I do. I do qualitative research where I do focus groups, and we all combine that with some quantitative, what we pull the data the stats from um, state and national data to put it together. And what we've been doing focus groups during this COVID period and the stories that we've been hearing from black women or how they've been treated in the hospital during COVID and pre-COVID is just heart-wrenching. There are studies that show that, like Brother Taryn said, that infant mortality and maternal mortality is related to Mm -hmm. systemic racism. It's not because they're eating Cheetos or they're not going to the doctor. It's systemic racism. Our people are unemployed. There's toxins in our community. But also, when they go to the hospital, the doctors aren't treating them right. They're saying that black women, we can withstand pain. So if a a woman says, I'm bleeding too much or I'm hurting too much, oh, you're okay, they just send them home, and our women are dying. I know we've heard of our sister, Shaasia Washington, in New York who died, a 26-year-old woman who died because they wasn't listening to her. They have right. all, in this country, they have all the tools that they need to provide care. And I'm not, um, not just saying it from my perspective. One of the studies that uh, the focus groups that I'm doing, I'm talking to doctors as well. And from the doctor's mouth, they're saying that, yeah, I have all the tools that I have, but my colleagues and some of my colleagues just don't care. And the women are saying, you can't teach anyone to care. So we have to kind of fight this on two fronts. We have to educate our people, but we also have to tear down the system. We can't keep sending them to that hospital where the doctors don't care that they are suffering and that they are dying and they don't, and it's still, after we do all of this research, then at times they want to say it's still the woman's fault. But now we're going to change that. That's so right. In our community, one of, why I'm so happy about the work, in our city, of course, in New Orleans, we have a black mayor. We have a woman that's over the health department, the woman that's over the statewide perinatal community collaborative is a black woman. So making friends in all walks, uh, what we say, in all walks of life, for me in my work is being able to call someone at the health department, calling someone in the CEO's office at each of the hospitals so that we can fight it. We can say, here's the research. We've conducted a research with the women in your community that birth at your hospitals and the doctors as well, and this is what the data is showing. It is actually coming out of people's mouths that this is why black women and black children are dying, and you have to change. And we're not going to stop until uh, it changes. So it's not just me being dissatisfied. It's doctors being dissatisfied, and it's women being dissatisfied during this time. 
Wait, you didn't ask the question. I just started talking. No, 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 no. Because what you just <laughs> did, no, that was off. That was off the chain. I know Sister Mariam has some questions, and you know when you talked about the sister that died, it makes me. Uh, our our producer, uh, Sister Rona, also reminded us about Serena Williams would have died um, because they didn't think that she knew exactly what she was saying that she needed. Um, but luckily, um, they got to her in time because she was about um, to die. What you just laid out was very, very key, and I want to kind of craft uh, part of my discussion with you because what you're saying, I'm aware of a lot of what you're talking about, um, but I don't think people really understand when we talk about systemic racism as the fates uh, affect particularly black women and their maternal birth mm-hmm. rate. Um, we really have to delve into that because a black woman can be, uh, you know, you can say, well, I have a good job, I have a good home, you know what I'm saying, but the stress of racism can cause, you know, um, the loss of a child. And that's a reality that black women, that's a lot of stats. There's a lot of research that has been done. So when you're talking about the whole issue of how black women are treated when they come into the healthcare system, uh, if they have any lower ab- abdominal pain, then you have a sexually transmitted disease. We'll give you something to cure that and go home. But they will really never really delve into uh, what is going on. So some of the research and studies that we have done. It's real. Um, we have done some of the stuff that I worked on is health disparities in the healthcare system and work. Uh, we have actually produced a program where we have done some system change where um, some clinicians or doctors say, well, yeah, that's health disparities in medical, uh, in healthcare, but it's not in my practice. So a lot of people would not claim it in their practice, but they agreed that they're health disparities. Um, but the thing is, like you said, showing the research and how do we shape the system that everybody gets proper care, but ultimately we have to have our own. But I just really wanted you to kind of go deeper into some of the things that you recognize through your research and some of the solutions. Like one of the solutions say instead of this medicine, go into the go into the farmer's market and making that connection with an institution and a local community group to help in the the, the health care. And I, I just wanted you to kind of more so expound on those those different things or racism or systemic things that are really affecting black women. One of uh, the things you talked about, um, well, I talk about from the community perspective. From the studies we are hearing that women are going to the hospital and they are not aware. They are not aware of the hospital policies that they can't something like walk around or they're not aware of what an epidural actually does to the body. So here locally, or, uh, what we're doing is creating a, a perinatal community health worker program. When you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about... And, and what is a perinatal? I, I know. Just want yeah, to call it. I'm about to go into that. Okay. So yeah. that is, for us locally, what we're doing is doing a doula care model, which is a birth mm-hmm. assistant. So someone that has basic training. It's not a clinician. It's not a midwife someone that has basic uh, training to assist a woman or assist a family during the birthing process. But we're also coupling that with breastfeeding education training as well. So the perinatal uh, community health worker, they'll be able to educate women and also go with them to the hospital or if they decide to do a home birth. In New Orleans, we don't have a birth center, so that's not an option for our families here, and that's something that systemically we need to change so that we can have all three options. Um, One of the things that came up during this COVID period, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was around the country, 
that women did not want to birth at the hospital. They wanted to, mm. everybody wanted to birth at home. So we had doulas, their numbers were going off mm. the charts in our area because they were like, I don't want to go to the hospital. Can you help me with a home birth? And so that's, it was women now know in our area that it is a viable option and that's good. But some women actually did go to the hospital during this COVID period. And uh, the also good thing about it was that women went, stayed at home as long as possible, which is what we always recommend. Don't go to the hospital until it's time. They will birth and they will go home, as opposed to being hooked up to their monitors all, all the time. So on a community level or individual level, we're doing a perinatal community health worker model. As far as the systemic things or the, uh, yeah, the structural things that we're working on, what the healthcare providers there's actually a law now. I'm laughing because uh, one, when you talk about racism in hospitals, they are quick to say, "Let's do implicit bias training." And if Come anyone on. has worked any kind of job, <laughs> just like they have the um, uh, sexual harassment trainings at your jobs, you know, you just click yes, no, and you are certified. That's the same thing that most implicit bias trainings are. Well, in our state it's now law for them hospitals to have implicit bias training. But also what the, the black woman that I was telling you about that's over the perinatal work, she's an OB, so just birthing people. She's requiring mm-hmm. that it's not just a one-time training, that it's a six-month training that they have to do, and they have to do refresher courses, and they have to demonstrate that they understand the competency. So we're not doing the whole just checking a box saying, no, I'm not racist. No, you're going to get the training, and you're going to have to show proof. And the proof is things like surveys from the patients and feedback from the patients showing that you're treating them better. So that's something systemically that we're working on with the healthcare system and also making sure that women understand that they have options as far as medical, uh, medicated, unmedicated, and all of those things. Other things that we haven't touched on that other people have to work on is that there's high unemployment. Right. You said that women have good jobs, some people. Well, some of our, most of our people don't have good jobs. So if you're mm-hmm. working a low-wage job, how are you going to go to all of the doctor's visits? And if Teach. you are feeling sick and you call the doctor and they tell you that it, you're fine, then you're going to stay home and it's going to continue to exasperate because you have to work. So the unemployment issues in our community is something that we have to change. We have to create jobs for our people. We have to teach them, have, give them better skills so that we can reduce those type of things because I, I don't think we're waiting for the white man to employ our people and give them good paying jobs or living wages. So unemployment, high uh, imprisonment, I heard a story of a woman that we were given, uh, one of our partners was given her uh, incentive for participating. You know, that woman gave that incentive to her imprisoned boyfriend so that he can, I don't know what tools, uh, what he was going to use it for. So if you have a woman that is giving whatever money she's making or some of what she's making to her boyfriend or her baby's father that's in prison, like systemically, some things are going wrong. So there's a lot of structural things, and I want to touch on one other thing that you said, mentioned about stressors. 
the reason uh, there's been research that's demonstrating like you have women that may be a judge, they're a judge, very fit, uh, go to all of her doctor's appointments, meet all the, you know, check off all the boxes, and her baby still dies. Why is that? Right. What we don't understand, and that's why we need to, as black women, creating a narrative for ourselves, working in spaces that make us feel good. Systemic racism has impacted my, our grandmothers and our mothers. And so for us, it is something that we have to break the cycle so mentally that we are living in a peaceful environment so that when we birth, we can birth with a free mind. Having a woman that has to go to a job and be a top executive, you might think she has a good has good money, a good home, but she doesn't have peace of mind. Exactly. We, we talk, we're taught we have a maternity leave in the mosque, and when we're at home, we're not supposed to just be watching TV and eating Cheetos. We're supposed to be feeding on the Word of God. So you think about if you're doing that for nine months. What type of peace of mind do you have when you're birthing a child? But a woman that is dealing with racism on a daily basis, that stress of that causes her body to shut down during that birthing process. And that is what causes our babies to die. And that is causing us to bleed more and hemorrhage during the birthing process. Exactly. Yes, Thank you. Wow. Go ahead, that, Mario. Was, I know you got some yeah, stuff. Cause she, I mean, she, she dropped the jewels that I needed everybody to hear, and that's from a professional. 18 years in a profession. She knows what she's talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Praise be to Allah. Praise be to Allah. I do have some questions myself um, just from being a community activist and, and working in the community with our youth and being in the high schools, a lot of things that you're speaking on really touch or I can bear witness to, I see it. Like what you're saying is absolutely truth. It's, it's right and exact. Um, I have programs. Uh, one of my programs is for um, teen mothers. And um, I remember last year, one of the teenagers came up to me and she said, that uh, she was crying, and she said the doctors told her that her baby was low in weight. She was about five months pregnant, and they told her that her baby was low in weight. She was too small. She needs to abort the child that um, her baby wouldn't be large enough to sustain life when um, she's nine months to give birth. So we pretty much just counseled her, gave her the support she needed, you know, telling her do not abort the child. And thank Allah, her child was born like six pounds, so many ounces, baby fine, healthy. But it just shows how this enemy out here focus is to kill black babies. They're angry that we continue to be fruitful and multiply, and they have problems being fruitful and multiplying. So, Along with that group, we had some young ones who were victimized of sex trafficking. And I know that you are one that helps to teach women the value of their bodies. What type of um, guidance or advice would you give to our listeners as it relates to sex trafficking? Um, I, I know I had a, a third grader, and this this was like, oh, my God, blew my mind, a baby in third grade 
victimized of sex trafficking. And she told me her mother says she'll never be S because she ain't S. And that I'm, I'm for a moment I was silent. And anybody who knows me when I'm in the community, that's unheard of for my mouth to be closed. But that baby silenced me for a minute because I'm looking at a third grader victimized of sex trafficking and then a seventh grader victimized of sex trafficking who she got turned on to it because when her mother's boyfriend comes over, her mother puts her out in the street. And that's how she got caught on to sex trafficking. So what, what type of um, advice, again, you know, or guidance you would give to our listeners as it relates to sex trafficking? Oh, that one uh, hits home because those stories in New Orleans, we had uh, our rate doubled last year for um, human trafficking. And we had a panel come to the mosque to talk about our girls and loving themselves. So I think, um, not I think, one of the first things, of course, we have to always start off at home. Sometimes we pretend that our issues, we don't have issues at home. And so we have to make sure that our girls mm-hmm. love themselves, that they look in the Come mirror on. and just love themselves, everything about you. I have three daughters, and it's funny, they have three different texture hairs. And so I have to mm. ensure, just with the hair thing, like, None of y'all hair is better than the other hair. Love who you are because who you are is what Allah created. And you can't say anything about bad about Allah. When you say Allah did, the children act a different way. So are you saying that Allah created you imperfect? He made a mistake in how you are? So if you understand, and so the first thing is making sure our daughters, our grandchildren, our nieces all understand their beauty and that they love themselves. And one thing that came out of that panel is that when I talk to my daughters, I make sure that they stay connected to their friends in a way that they are peer counselors. And so if you have a friend that has self-esteem issues, because when you hear some of the human trafficking cases, some of the girls had poor self-esteem. And so making sure that their friends know that if you need someone to talk to, you can talk to me. And at their friends, that's I right. community. How many of us know all of our neighbors by name? The little girl who walked down the street with little shorts on. We just see her walk by and it's okay. We need to start learning the little girls in our community and talking and being advocates and talking to their parents and letting their mothers or their fathers know that, you know, you're having this precious seven-year-old just walk the street. Like what we teach our children is that you're the most precious thing, prized possession that I have. And so you talked about, um, the community programs that you are involved, that you are leading. I think that those of us who have that passion need to step out on that passion and do those things because if we don't Come do it, on, that's no right. we're going to do it in our community. We can't keep saying what somebody else is not doing. We have to do it. And you don't need money to do it. You need to start off just doing the work and the money comes. It that's truly right. starts right. to come right. Some kind of way. Don't worry about that. The passion. If you're passionate about helping the girls in your community, pick up something and do it. 
And then the other thing with public health, what kills me, Brother Terrence, is we get this grant money that's a year long. We do a program, successful program for one year, and then we leave the community. Like that is something that we have to stop doing. We have to be breaking their trust. Yeah, that's trust. Come on. Right. Do something and do it consistently so that they know that you are that one reliable thing in their community, that one person that don't fail them, that one person that if you say you're going to be there every Thursday at 4 o'clock, whether they come or not, then you're that person for that. So whatever we do, we need to be consistent, like you said, to build that trust of that community. And then we have to stop being bystanders. There are so many community advisory boards going to city council meetings and all of those things. We need to be a part of that change. If we're not leading it, they need to know that we repping the community. We're the ones that's going to always be there. So, yeah, so we have to start with our at home, spread out to their friends, being the community, and then working through the city. So, you know, that I, I want Sister Mariana asked the next question, but I also um, next question, I also just wanted to add on to one of the things that you said that is a very unique thing is that in the field, uh, in the spaces of public health, there's a lot of people that are actually working and trying to do good things in their community, but there's also this um, this thing in the whole grant writing nonprofit sector um, that limits sometimes us being in the community. So we have to find a way to actually fund our own salvation, our own liberation. Because what happens is for us to do some of the grant writing, there are certain stipulations that we got to do as far as the research methodology and all this stuff that goes along with it um, to even get the grant to be able to work in the community. But then sometimes when that funding is gone, the ability to actually pay people to do the research, do the data, so we have to find a way to utilize the local universities and those that are able to give their time to make sure that we get the necessary research to do what needs to be done. But beyond that factor, we, as our sister says, that we have to be consistently, whatever we do in the community, if we start a program, we got to stay with the brothers and sisters in the program because most of the time we want to make sure not only the parents and the families but the children and to see a continual cycle. And I think that's our Selling point is that we're never consistent about anything that we do. We have to be consistent when we're in the lives of our our people and especially the lives of our children. They need to see the constant images, positive images, and that's the part of the discussion night, the imagery of our black woman as we see the video walk, uh, and what are these images that we need to see and what are the images that we need to produce. But I know you said you had some more questions, Sister Marianne. Yes, sir. I mean, I think what what you just said is a perfect door opener for Sister Pamela because, of course, Sister Pamela brought up the excellent point of the WAP video and how it opened up the door to this pornography and encouraging sex trafficking. And, of course, we don't think it's coincidental that it came out right after Beyonce's Black is King. So you take Mm -hmm. us from a royal standpoint to remind us that we're just whores. So, Sister um, Pamela, please dive in because you had some really good um, comments and suggestions and all of that as it relates to the WAP video. And I'm sure you have a question for our sister about that as well, What is how it's painting us and, of course, how we have to redefine our image because that's not who we are. 
Oh, yes, ma'am. I I was really enjoying what the sister was saying because what she's yes. describing uh, with we've, – we've been given the charge to make our communities decent and safe places to live by the Honorable Minnesota's Farrakhan. And this is what she – I hear her saying, you know, get to know your neighbor. Get to know Come these on. women. Uh, care about the children like you were saying, Sister Marianne, because when you talk about sex trafficking – they talk about how has the community turned a blind eye? What should we be looking for? You know, sex is a dark topic. That's one of the things that allows sex trafficking to thrive because people are kind of prudent. They don't want to talk about sex. Everybody wants to kind of turn their back. And this is something that, like you said, Sister Mariam, we have to talk to these young women and have those uncomfortable conversations that maybe their parents aren't having. Um, And this is what, in the child abuse and the court systems, you know, black people, we don't really abuse our children physically to the extent that white people do, uh, but we're often found neglectful which means that perhaps we are sending children in front of the TV. You know, perhaps we do have to work, and maybe I was on my way home from work and my, you know, nine-year-old had to watch the child, and the court is going to say, well, is that, you know, is that acceptable? But neglecting children and not really looking at who's watching the children, um, this is one of our issues. So the poor are being exploited. Pornography is acceptable and social media must be monitored. And I think this pornography being acceptable is what I'm seeing and having a problem with the video WAP because I see that clearly as pornography. And, um, it, you know, we can't just shrug it off and not address this issue, especially, like I say, with Jeffrey Epstein and the Weinsteins and all of these big mansion parties, the Hugh Hefner's, all of these stories we've heard about these type of things being held in these big mansions, that video, that that was the storyline, the big mansion. It just did not have the men. So, again, we're, we're allowing our young women to, we don't want them to be misled uh, by that pornography as, you know, being acceptable. So that, that's kind of what I, I thought. And I, I had written down a question for you, sister, Oh, I wanted to ask you, when we talk about implicit bias, do you think there's some explicit bias also in these hospitals for why black women are just dying during childbirth, something we've been doing since slavery? And now um, is there some intentional, uh, you know, potentially yaku, you know, sticking the needle in the head kind of thing with with these babies, uh, or at least giving substandard care to our women intentionally. Um, Do you have any thoughts on on that, sis, or any of the data? I definitely think so. Um, I mean, just if someone told a couple of things. One, I had a, a pediatrician who is known as a breastfeeding advocate in our community say to me, when I go in the room with black families, I don't say anything about breastfeeding because I assume that they don't want to breastfeed. And then you hear stories. So with the explicit, it's definitely there that these people don't care about us. How do we document that outside of medical malpractice? Practice, uh, well, okay. it is medical 
it is medical malpractice, so we don't need to do it outside of that. We have to get women, and that's why hearing the stories of women is very important to hear um, so that we can document that kind of information and go do something with that. Because it can't, this is not, we, we know what we believe. So it's not just by happenstance that it's just implicit bias that some people are really out there to kill black people. We don't think that Bill Gates and his wife are the only two people in the world that want to do population control. Everyone wow. has a role to play in it. And those OBs, Absolutely. those white OBs, have a role to play in it. And so That's we right. just need to figure out, one, we don't need them touching our women. But then mm-hmm. those that do, Come on. we need to document what they're doing wrong. So I definitely think it's in existence. Uh, but we are to, in our community making a, a directory of sorts where when you report bad things about these providers, we know about it. And so we'll make sure okay. that our people are not referred. But we often in our community refer black women to black doctors. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that. Praise to Allah. So let's yeah, dig in that. some more. Let's let's dig in. I, I, sisters, I'm Sister yeah. Michon. I want you to really. We want to dig and dig and dig. <laughs> so, and the reason why I'm, I'm saying it because see, I'm the brother. I don't go to MGD class. I go to FOI class. <laughs> I stay in my lane. I stay in my lane. So the health piece. I wanted to deal with the health piece, and I'm gonna come back to the health piece. I'm gonna come back. But I want to, to to see you as, you know, and Sister Marmel, you got your book out, and and you have your life experiences. And Sister Michonne, you're the sister student captain that's training and teaching our women. Come on. What is it that these images are doing um, to our girls? You know, what what, what mm-hmm. images should mm-hmm. we how, – how do we compete? You know, how do – I, I don't really know how to answer this question. Like, what should we give our girls? You know, what what are the tools that we should give our girls to combat what they're getting, honestly, on TV, radio, yeah. videos, cell phones? They're getting – so we, we, we shocked at Wattler. Oh, we we so shocked. But at the same time, we watched 2 Chainz and Rick Ross and 2 Chainz throwing money at women. Um, you know, and we don't say anything about it. Like this, this double standard that women hold um, in the public eye, what they're supposed to be uplifted, or all these images and the things. Because I heard some sisters, I think it was the the city girls that said that you know they're taking over the airways now. So men are just mad because they're taking over the airways. You know, because at one time mm-hmm. a girl had to be on the man's record, on his single, on his album to get known. But now they don't need no features from men. They can do it all on their own, and this is the way they're mm-hmm. doing it. You, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. What is it that we give our young girls to help combat all of this that's out there that's been pushed? Oh, I had an answer for that, but okay. Well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a minute. <laughs> Yo, you can go ahead. You're hot. Go ahead. I'm like, I just got excited. See, he's talking about MGC class. Y'all know how we get, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And then yeah, that's, that's, right. that's also a little to kind of pull what's going on in NGT class out of, so we got to be mindful of that, too. Yeah, yeah we're watching that, too, Terrence. We see that. <laughs> I don't hear what y'all but, talking about. Know, Go ahead and answer the question. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, 
the, the self-value and, and the self-worth. Right. I absolutely love doing work with women and girls because when you start getting to the core of that pain and you start realizing that the reason why they result to taking pictures of these themselves and putting it on social media mm. or, or sexting these guys is because they're looking for love. They're right. looking for the, the essence of what they need. It's just like the black community, period that when Allah removed himself from amongst us 66 trillion years ago, and we've been on the, 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 the journey of trying to find him to reunite ourselves with God, it's the same thing for the black woman when it comes to the black man. We're on that journey. We're trying to reunite ourselves with the essence that we came from, that he may not understand that this is what I can see and feel in you, even if he can't feel it in himself. A black woman knows it's there. So right. you're talking about young women and girls who are, are, are like, man, I got this burning desire inside of me that I don't understand. I'm dealing with energy and emotions that I don't understand how to feed it properly. So I'm going crazy because I'm going off of what I see. I'm going off of what this enemy is feeding me. So for us to come in with the truth, to come in with the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, to come in with the teachings of the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan and see their little That's faces right. light up because they're like, nobody's ever talked to me like that. You telling me That's I am right. beautiful? You telling right. me I actually can say to myself, I love you and understand that if I feed it to myself, I won't be so quick to need it from somebody else? Yes, ma'am. When you can put that inside of these young people's minds. We nurture and activate that God in them. And then, of course, yes, we bring MDT class to them because that's what we're told to do. That's what we're taught to do. The Honorable Mrs. Farcon said, take the class to the street. So that's yes, what we ma'am. have to do. All of our units, we're showing them. But the very first thing we go in with is self-love. Well, what does it mean to love yourself? Why are you valuable? Why are you worthy? Why are we taught that as women we are a gift from God to this world? What does that mean? Understand that your womb that you're letting any man come into. There's no human being that can walk this earth without coming through the womb of a woman. That's how valuable you are. So That's these right. are things that we say to these young people so they can understand. I just had a Zoom session on Monday with some young people where the girls were asking me, you know, well, well what do I do when this guy whispers in my ear or, you know, he making me feel good? So I just start feeding them self-worth and self-value and letting them know. It don't mean you sadiddy because you love yourself because That's you're right. telling him you have to work for this, you have to earn this gift. And then the young men was on the line as well, and they're saying, man, um, so how do I know how to treat a woman? Like now their questions began to turn because they wanted to know, well, what do I have to do to earn this? Because they were being awakened by the truth too. Like the minister said, what's happening in a community, that blood is on our hands. So it's our job to go out here and give these babies the truth and teach That's these fine. young girls what their real image is, and your bloodline is royalty. 
and you know That's the right. brothers, brothers, parents, you all can take it, and y'all can do that to the young brothers out there that you gotta make FOI. You have to make them FOI, sir. But on the That's sister right. side, we got it. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Right. Sister Guest, and, and, hold up, Sister Guest, Sister Michon, can you come, come, come under the fire of Sister Marianne and add on? Yeah. And not come, come on, to that's fine. Fire, but what I do want to say is, you no, know, everything she said is on point, that we have to make sure that we are out in that community. But that's what that's we're right. not doing enough of. Sister Mariam is doing her thing, but every one of us, and it's not just as a captain, it's right. every the foot soldiers, all of us need to be in our community. We need to map out yes. our neighborhoods, and we all need to be doing something so that, the moment that, and not after it happens, like we're, we're so reactive at times. We need to be proactive. Like they need to right. know that who they need to talk to in these times. And so mm-hmm. that's something that we have to be, do a better job of going out into our community and not waiting for somebody else to do it. All of us need to be living yes. by this example. All of us need to be talking to the community. So if you're doing one virtual class, we should be having hundreds around the country. That's right. That's right. That's what we're right. teaching people yes. self-love. Not just saying, oh, she's doing it to all the hundreds of people. No, we have thousands. We have millions of people in Come this on. country, black girls, that we need to work with. So we need to – it's it's so uh, – in on the counter, though, just looking at the inf- – so I talked to my middle child about it, and it's just interesting because if you put that information out there, that self-love that Sister Mariam is talking about, when it, something like this come out, it doesn't phase our children. They listen to it one time and like, ah, go on to something else. We have to make sure that we're out there so much, they're feeling it so much, that this don't even matter what they're doing. They're still on Black as Kings because that's something that they should be proud of. And also, that's we right. have to teach, when we teach our girls to cover, to teach them because sometimes in the mosque, we think that we all have to look like toy soldiers and everybody needs to look the same. But we need to teach our girls that their modesty is beautiful and you can add your own swag, your own individuality right. to it. If you play, like I love the sister, and I'm sorry that I don't remember her name, the fencer who has changed where they, uh, Nike has a hijab. Uh, right, with the right. logo on. Okay. We have to, Come you can on. work out, but you can work out yes. covered too. If you, like you're a That's gymnast, right. all of these things you have to do. My daughter said, my coach said, she told her coach after years that she was a Muslim. And he was like, I already knew you was a Muslim. Look how you dress in here. So they shouldn't mm. have, like, by our, the way that we act is people need to know that we're Muslims and we have to teach our girls it is okay to be modest. You don't have to look like me, but you have to look like your modest Muslim self. So, yeah. Yes, ma'am. And, and so, Brother Terrence, I know before you go to the callers, yeah. could I ask, I wanted to say, um, I think like Sister Dr. Ava said last week, at the end of her wonderful lecture uh, message, you know, she talked about the root knowledge of the original woman and her critical importance on the rise of and fall of the nation. And she really talked about how the minister, you know, being that man who we know that he loves us because we do go through hard, you know, as times as black women, and he's telling the women of God, that's who we are, put on your clothes and accept your own 
and be yourself. And just real quick, Brother Chance, because I, I just wanted to say, when you brought up about the men and the male rappers who are acting up, who are being, you know, uh, derogatory and nasty and filthy, too, I think it's not an and or, it's a both. Right. And okay. so I think we both, you know, you all are going to have to start talking to those brothers. We all as a community have to speak up. It's not like the brothers can do it and the sisters can't. No, none of us. We we need to learn the lessons of time and, um, you know, promote what the minister is telling us to do. Better, better right. culture. Yes, sir. That's right. Praise God. And the best way to do it is by leading by example. If we're That's not right. having a good example, then we can't teach nothing that we're not living an example. We can't tell people to come out of poverty and we in poverty. We got to show them a way out. So we got to be the example of the That's way out. Right. I right. definitely want to add on to what Sister Michonne said is that one of the things for me, I came out of uh, Afro, you know, from a college on the yard doing activism and then jumping into the community activism and then coming into the nation. So mm-hmm. my kind of my 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 path came from an activist way into the nation, but still formally being rooted firmly in the nation and active in the mosque, but also known in the city as a community activist and being involved. And I think we have to find and develop a way, and we have the minute we have really everything that we need. We have the nine ministries, so if you can't be the captain or lieutenant, you could be in the ministry. Hey, if you like music, go into music. That's going to science and work in your community to help our people. But I think the point that you brought up is we have to be in the community, and I think we have to really also start to craft. What does it mean to be in a community? It doesn't mean let's just go door to door. You can be in a community at a city council meeting. You can be at um, the music. Whatever it is, just be where our people are to make that connection. But some questions that was brought um, for um, you, Sister Michonne, is that um, we want to ask this question. And it's, it's really a two-part question from our Sister Sister Rona that we want to bring under the discussion. How do you... How do you combat the socialization of girls being used by their own mother or family member who uses them to financially provide for their families? You know, how do how do how do you how do you deal with that and that's a deep one, so I'm gonna read it again. How do you how do we combat the socialization of girls being used by their own mother or family member who uses them to financially provide for their families? Because uh, we have to, and the, the point was, we got to offer something tangible to remove them immediately um, to help with this. So the first part of that, you're talking about in someone someone else's home. So how do you build trust with a young lady so that they can provide that information to you? That's one. And also, mm-hmm. when they give that, do they trust you enough enough where they can follow your lead on it. And so we have to be mindful, though, because so I'm, I'm guilty of this. And the sisters in New Orleans um, shake their head. Like if I see a, somebody walking a family, taking families here, taking families there, not knowing their background and all of that, if I could, any little girl would have in that type of situation, I would have her in my house. But what do we do in those situations where her family is doing that to her? 
Does she trust us enough where we can find a space somewhere for her to go to and be safe? Because some of the sinners are mistreating our children as well. So we have to build trust with the individuals, but that's about going to those community meetings and uh, knowing what's in your community. Because if you don't know what are the great resources of the people in your community that you can kind of refer families to, you're actually stuck in a really difficult position. You don't want to just teach to this little girl or preach to her because after a while that's that you're like a broken record, and she still has to go home with that. So, one, you have to build a trust. You have to know the resources that's in the community and knowing how you can actually help her. So it's not an easy solution. That's something I probably couldn't sleep at night if I knew somebody like that. Right, because Um, if I can add, I just want to say, because, of course, we got the component of law enforcement and mandatory reporting, uh, which really makes it difficult if you know of someone who is really being, a crime is being committed, you know, there's that, you know, some, some requirements that people have that we have to report it. That's why I think it's so awesome to get in front of these cases, you know, because there are always going to mm-hmm. be signs of risk factors. That's what people are looking at. They're, they're looking at risk factors for, uh, some, you know, it leading into this type of situation, and that's when we have to get out there and help these children and help these mothers and prevent before it becomes, uh, you know, a real outward pimping or something like that, you know, or or something involving a minor, which, you know, again, this is where mandatory reporting is going to come in. Um, so it's in the daycares, you know, it's in the food pantries. These, You know, that's one thing about the black community. Sometimes our people do neglect their children while they're living their lives, so, you know. So our children, that's and I, true. I, we got into a discussion with someone, it's like, well, if their parents aren't helping them, you know, that's who needs to help them. And I, I'm not going to, you know, give a freeloading parent help with their child. I actually saw that conversation on uh, YouTube. And I say, no, absolutely not. The children, this is what Jesus' mission was. He said, suffer the children to come to me. So we go directly to these children and prevent them from being in these type of harmful situations when we can. That That's just my, my thought on it. You know, I, I would definitely – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Just a small point the, when you uh, about the mother. So our people do things like that because it's easy money. So what are we – how are we failing that mother as well in That's our right. community? That's right. She's underpaid, and so she's probably mm-hmm. even pimped herself out, and now she's going to the next thing. So we – we have to do a better job, again, of making sure that we have resources. And I'm not talking about welfare. We have to make that woman feel good and that she Come can on. make income. Come on. She can find her a husband. They can have a whole family. All of those things that we say for ourselves in the minds, we should want that for our community. Not welfare for the mom, but we need her That's to be right. employed. We need her to be whole so she can attract a man that is going to treat her right so that so you you were right, Brother Terrence, when you said it was a two-part, but I think we need to focus not solely on the child, but also how do we help that mother as well. I definitely agree um, w- with you all. 
And I, I would definitely add to that by saying we need to understand we are our own stimulus package. We keep looking for the government to give us something. They have not yet said that black people do not still have trillions of dollars in our community. We have the money that we need to provide the resources that we need. So it's so important that we have to go out here and teach our people the knowledge of self. We have to give them the teachers of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. We have to re-stimulate the value of self or put the value of self in the mother. Most mothers out here, the father is not present in the home when you see that the child is sex trafficked. That child has witnessed a lot of men come through that house. So we have work to do with the mother and the child. But we also have the money to build safe houses. We have the money to pull our resources and help a mother go grocery shopping, teach her how to cook. We have what we need to build our community, and that is why we are pushing probably harder than ever before separation. We have to understand we have what we need to separate from this enemy. I'm sorry. I'm just not one to be like what his law says. I don't care about his law. I'm looking at the law of God. What are we studying? I'm looking at what law did Master Father Muhammad come and give to us? What law did the most honorable Elijah Muhammad enforce? What law is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan enforcing? That is the law we function under, and we have to understand it is time to separate from this enemy if we want to see a change in our community. I think somebody's trying to get the offering plate passed around. Uh, Brother Deacon, can, can you bring the plate? Can you bring the plate? Because we just had a sermon from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Separation. ProjectSeparation.com. ProjectSeparation.com. Yes. 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 ProjectSeparation.com. So, Sister Michonne, we're going to open up the phone lines, and we have some dedicated callers that usually always call, but not going to go there yet. I want to give you a last few minutes they kind of talk about, you know, maybe something that was coming out of your bio or some of the projects that you're working on, um, anything that you may want to share, like I said, some upcoming projects or projects you work on that you want to highlight or that you want people to help with or assist with or anything that you want to share before we go to the phone lines for our closing out 30 minutes. I want to give you that opportunity to kind of go over some of those things before we hit the phones. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. I think, well, I would like to call close out with a call to action for all of the callers. Uh, one of the things that we're doing statewide here is doing a maternal uh, death review board, and it's where we're reviewing all of the cases of uh, women who die. And in those boards, there's a community spot. So if if being on a board speaks to anyone in this audience, I'm going to ask you to look out in your city and your state and join those boards. We need black people, men and women, with strong voices to advocate for our people. I'm also asking, if you have girls, encourage them to become midwives. We need more black midwives in our community. The other thing, come on, I want yes. to, when we talk about doulas, A doula is not just extensive training. Every family, every mosque should have a doula and a breastfeeding educator. Our people need to know that they can touch us 
in these times. I was so heartbroken when they had so many people that needed a black doula in our community because of this COVID, and we didn't have enough to actually provide the needs. So we need to become doulas, become breastfeeding advocates in our community so that we can help our community. And also, I want to encourage everybody to ensure that there's a freestanding birth center in their city because come on. Talk about separation. I'm just tired of our people going to hospitals and dying. We need the answer. We have the money. When you talk about the grants, a part of my plight is that I'm going to find black money to fund our black research because I'm tired. I don't even want to fill out another grant application so that you can tell me how I need to do what for my community. Now I want to do it how the messenger taught us to do it. I want to do it how Farrakhan teaches us to do it. I don't want to do it all way. I want to change the name. I want it to be what we need to do for our people as we're taught in the Nation of Islam. So be a part of establishing a birth center in your community so that Yes, we can birth at home, but just think about, like, those teen moms that you talked about, Sister Mariam, or those moms who are living in a two-bedroom and there's eight people. Having a home birth is not the most viable option, so we need to be a viable option for our community. And that's it. A call to action. Excellent. Let's let's do this. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You got the eight-man choir in there. (laughs) Yes, um, you know, I'm like, and, we can make really, that a national movement. <laughs> no, but I, I really want you. I, I really thank you for those points, and I thank you for what you just shared. Um, because I don't think that a lot of communities across the country are having these conversations. You know, I, I'm thankfully blessed that there are some sisters that I know in the community that are dealing with the issue of breastfeeding and training sisters and preparing them and talking to them about breastfeeding. I have some friends, um, actually two or three people that are part of a network of doulas um, and and actually doing the doula work. And because of COVID-19, trying to maneuver around that particular um, nuances around that. And then when you said about an institution, I really want to back you on what you just said because part of the thing is we do a lot of individual work, but when you set up an institution, that means you can and you can engulf a lot more and you can engulf a lot more uh, activity when you have a birth and center. So that is very powerful that you said. And of course, right now the first caller would happen to be a woman who happened to love to cook, who would happen be to be from Mecca. Uh, Sister Ulo, welcome to the call tonight. Our first caller. I think we're getting her queued up. Sister Ula, we want to hear from you. I think she's gone. She's gone. Okay. Well, if she's gone, we want to go to our next Caller, Brother Daryl has a comment. Yes, sir. Okay, well, I'm like him. Him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you was knocked out too? <laughs> I got you. I got you. I had to throw that in. Praise be to Allah. Um, sister, um, um, uh, I think Allah for your brother Terrence and Sister Ava, even though she's not here, but she is. And, uh, Thank all of the sisters that's on the panel, uh, Sister Marianne. Uh, you you know this has been a great topic about our 
women's and our children and what's going on with our family. And I agree to what we have to do at FOI to prepare our brothers because, like you said, sister, y'all got it together. There's no doubt about it. We're not in your class, but I can hear MGT all across the line. And it's a blessing to know that Allah has you all doing what you need to do. Now, we have to step up to the plate. So when you touch uh, my spirit, when you say it, the sisters are looking for the God. And the God that they're looking for, not taken from the creator, but they're looking for the God and the black man. And once we, as FOI, get our brothers to know that who they are as the God of the universe, where they could prepare and treat the queen of the universe that would produce us, because everything comes from her. Even though we put the seed there, we could walk away, but she has to go through everything. So we have to keep her in warm climate at all times. And once that brother that impregnates the sister and know that the value of her, and she's showing the value of herself, then we wouldn't have that problem of her going out there and uh, being loose. Which is the mother of civilization. And I encourage every black man to watch a home birth because all of my children was born at home with a home birth. And I, and, and it's something that every black man should see and here respect that black woman because I have seen some cases where some of the brothers pass out. They can't even handle it. But this is something that they need to see. If they could uh, promote filth over the radio, why shouldn't we? promote the beauty of life coming so these brothers could see what the black woman go through when she actually is dying and she gives birth. So once they recognize who she is and he recognize who he is, then we could clean up. And I agree that we can't just, oh yeah, it's sisters out here that's single and they may be using their children, but they have to be taught as well. You know, that's what you produce. Yeah, and, and if it's if it's low for you to have money to get what you need, we are here to help you. We're not going to the welfare. Like you said, we have plenty of money out here. We have to have something in every city, in every airport, uh, every mosque and study group, of uh, home birth, uh, someone teaching our children or our uh, young women to not to wait and rush to the hospital. Stay close as you can. If you can't do a home birth, stay close as you can. So once you get in the hospital, make sure you have family with her. Because as soon as she's delivered that baby, they're ready to come. Like you say, here it comes. That needle, they want to stick our baby and, and, and yes, put sir. this stuff in them. And we had, I was there with my wife, with my son, and his. Uh, she had our baby at the hospital. We almost had, a, you know, practically killed these people to get up out there because they wanted to stick, pluck, and do all this. We wanted to take the baby away. No, you're not taking the baby away. we watching everything that you do. So when they're going in the hospitals and don't make it back out, they are doing that, what Yaku has done. That is actually going on in our community. So we have to get together and uh, uplift our, our, our black men to know that this black woman is nothing to be played with. And she has to be taught right. the value of herself. So once we do that, I appreciate yeah, okay. the show, and I'm glad that uh, – I was able to sit in and listen to the sister. This was y'all show. <laughs> we just listened to you. And you opened the door for Brother Tans and I and those brothers that are listening. And what I wanted to say, Brother Ruben, he, you know, everything you said. But there, okay, we must have lost them. We got to go to 
get on <laughs> to the next callers. But I think we have one more caller coming up. But thank you, Brother Darrell, for that. Um, Brother Kareem, is that our young soldier, Brother Kareem, coming on? I think Brother Kareem was next. Trying to get him in, trying to get him in. Brother Kareem, are you there? Mm-hmm. Uh, He's awesome. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just go back to this conversation and I get the new. Uh, oh, he is there. So, Brother Kareem, you should be. Your mic is live, man. Come on. All right. We try to get you in. I thought I heard something. Okay. All Brother right. Ken. So let's jump back in. Yes. Who's oh, this? I was when you this sister Pamela when you open up the okay. conversation. I, you know what? Another I think uh, answer also was what Sister Rona was asking about moms who who really can't handle their children right now because of whatever financial issues, mental health issues. You know, and this is concept of kinship placement. And I know we take it for granted that our relatives and our cousins and our grandmamas and our play mamas help. Uh, our children, you know, I, you got to have a support system. But many times, like as an attorney, if I have a client who I'm trying to help her place her children or keep her children, I have to serve as a buffer between her and her family. I have to go look for family members. And sometimes I have to encourage them to let conflict resolution take its place so you can mend, you know, uh, fences with your cousin or with your grandmother, because those are people who, if you can't take care of your children, let's let the children stay in the family. Let's let's give this young mother some support. And, you you know, because this is how our children are being placed with the Caucasians and others outside of our race. The homosexuals are getting our children because sometimes our people, we can't keep them but we got to make sure they're family members, they're neighbors, and, and if any of us are able uh, to sometimes help out. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there as well as a, a mechanism that we should be looking at That's so to keep true. children That's so true. close to the community. Yes, sir. That's so yes, true. Sir. We're going to come back to that point. I'm going to turn it back over to the lines, and we're going to dive, you know, get deeper into that point. But Sister Darcel, welcome to Elevated Places. Family. Um, Sister Darcel, there you me? go. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu And shout out to... Um, or Pamela, I don't know how to get to you directly, but I'm glad you mentioned about kinfolk because I really um, about adoption. Because I'm an older person, but I'm you know pretty spirited. And now what's going on with the children in school and all this crazy back and forth, mosque and no mosque. That means no in Spanish, you know, no more. But um, I just feel there's really a need, and I know we can do it because I see our people with expensive shoes and clothes, material things, and I say it because it's in my family, my own daughter. 
I said, if you need a designer signature, I'm a designer. Where do you want me to sign it? <laughs> Where? <laughs> so, and it's really sort of bizarre to me that we, because what it's coming from is a European a mindset, in my opinion. And I have just been Zooming and WebEx and Microsoft Teams, and we're really with designers, not just, and fashion, but other things are really trying to make some corrections for our people to for the next generation. Because if you have this knowledge and is, and you have no one to share it with, um, it's sort of I'm thinking, why am I going through all of this for just a mental exercise, just to see if I can still maintain or retain knowledge at this point. So I'm online to take this lead exam. I've been talking about this for a long time, but I tell you, I think these devils don't want me to take this exam because I'm very honest why I want to take it. I want to share the information with some of the young, the younger folks, and they do have a program for young people to be a part of this, but they're not really thinking about our young people. So that's basically I wanted to share that information, and I don't know if you talk about Kamala or Kamala or however you're pronouncing it. I'm pretty proud about this. I don't know the nation's stance on political things, but maybe I could be corrected and guided on your opinion, but I'm pretty proud. And although we, the people who are in the Divine Nine, especially they know about Deltas and AKs, we split from underneath them, I just feel that it's going to give people, our people, something to look forward to. Now, she's not just a black woman now. She's also uh, sort of like an impromptu cabernation, like with Tiger Woods in reverse. Now the Asian people are latching on to it. So I just would like to just to throw that out there. I don't know if it'll stick or not. But thank you for allowing me to speak. And it's been a while, my people, and I'm glad to hear from you. And especially down under... <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Good to hear from you thank too. You, thank you, thank you, Sister Darcel. And uh, we we can come back to the the, the politics, but I, I think our politics is separation, project separation, project separation. Absolutely. And the reason why Absolutely. I say that is because we're not going to get into what we already know, and that is the fall of America. Uh, so no matter what. And who is sitting in the house, this house is coming down. So you can put whoever you want, whatever okay. color, red, black, or white, in the house. Right. Fall of America is still coming Absolutely. on. And what Absolutely. we want is separation. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan stated in his, what, uh, 2017, uh, November 16, 2017, address press conference in Washington, D.C., the Watergate Hotel, is that we want Come eight on. states. We will take eight states. So that's what we want. That's right. So sure. uh, November may come around, we want the eight states. So that's what we're looking for, uh, and that's how we're voting. We're voting for separation. But we want to go ahead and go to our next caller before we get back to uh, hear some more words from um, our guest. Um, Brother Hoyo, welcome to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Beautiful show, beautiful show, and beautiful show. The sisters did an awesome job. You know, you're right. You know, Honorable Elijah Muhammad said we need an own hospital. 
And, you know, we were going talking about the uh, image of black women. You know, that's nothing new. You know, you go back to Superfly, Little Kim, Vanity Six. All of those were sexual songs, you know, um, that, that now, you know, you look at it just like uh, Sister Pamela said, here's Beyonce coming with something conscious, and now here they counter with something filthy. So, but they've always put out, you got, what is it, Luke Skywalker? You know, let's, we go back, way back, and, you know, I, the sexualizing of our, you know, sexualization of our women is nothing new, but, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the conversation, separation, 10,000 fearless, where the black men are just present in the, in the community, um, you know, taking charge, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 it's where separation is needed 100%. And, you know, uh, I hope the sister, you know, maybe one day we can organize and work on what Arnold Blackman said, what we get uh, our own hospitals because, like I said, not only are they, you know, with Planned Parenthood aborting our children, they're taking the organs to the organ track is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's another subject, too. But uh, okay. along with so um, all of that is needed, and and like I said, we need to separate in these illusions of uh, the political illusions, you know, with uh, Biden and Kamala Harris and all of that. With you know, Minister say Trump is the last president. We need to separate because we. I'm gonna give you a warning. You saw what happened in Chicago and Iowa. Okay, is everybody there? Uh, hello? Hello? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did, did, did you guys see that ratio in, uh, in the Midwest? All of millions of dollars of crops uh, gone. All of the grain elevators tore up. Uh, this is, you know, Minnesota Farrakhan say famine is coming in, in, in the United States. And even China, China had a flood. All of their crops were wiped out. So, you know. Allah is tactical of what he's doing. I mean, here's 100 mile, 120 mile an hour winds coming right through the breadbasket. So, you know, that's why he told us six months to a year of store for our food, because this is just, you know, beginning of sorrow. So, um, um, but I'm going to tell that sister, that, uh, sister captain, to keep up the good work, sister Pamela, uh, all of our sisters, sister Marianne, and sister Ava too. And, and keep up that good keep up the good work and brother Terrence and I and FOI we're gonna step up too. So <laughs> we got we got another Farrakhan gonna make us step up. So we all need each other. We need to get the black family back together. So yes, thank, thank you, Michelle, brother Hoyle. Thank you. Uh, thank you. thank you, brother Hoyle. So let me just say we want to thank everybody once again for tuning in to Elevated Places. Our sister, Dr. Ava, was not on tonight, but she, you know, I want to speak for her that she thanks you for still tuning in and listening to the show and being a part of this discussion um, because we want to make sure that the platform is used properly to elevate our people and give them the knowledge but we also want you to support our sister okay. and go to ministerava.com, ministerava.com, look at some of her recent lectures and also support all of her books and her ebook 
that you can get at ministerava.com. So we want to make sure that you are visiting her website. So we want to jump back in, uh, Sister Michonne. Uh, we want to talk some more. You know, one we, we're we're talking about this imagery, um, but I, I guess I want to hmm, let's let's talk about health. And you know, I want you to kind of help me with this, since you are in public health and you know um, from not just particularly black women in public health, but you you see the overarching things of public health. What are some things that you would suggest for our sisters, our black women, that they should and need to do as it relates um, to their their own health, their own biological health as a woman? Uh, so we have it in how to eat to live. So, of course, we always want it, not just for the birthing, uh, to have a good birth, but as far as longevity. I love um, Minister Eva on uh, the Real Love uh, Zoom what she talked about yes. our biological clock is not like this world, like the white man, and it's because of what we were given with how That's to right. live and also prayer in the state of mind that we put ourselves in. So, of course, eating right and exercise, and those are the things that the world teaches us and we should do, but also, like, we have to, <laughs> Maria, we got to separate. Like, this world is not ex- uh, made for us to exist in peace. And so although That's we right. do all those things, we cannot have peace of mind um, in this world. And so I, I would say the biggest thing that women need to do is create their life, create their heaven at home, whatever that may be, following your passion, doing those things so that marrying a good man, all of those things you have to do if you want to have longevity in this world Come and on. not just eating and making money and all of those things that they talk about in that uh, song, Wep. Uh, we need to do more of the spiritual work to get ourselves together. Oh. Yes, ma'am. Is what I recommend. Wait, I went, uh, something I was thinking about in, this, in thinking about that, that WAP video and how Sister was talking how they are promoting um, – what did you say, Sister Pamela? Sex They're promoting sex, sex trafficking. trafficking mm-hmm. and, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it's against the law in some states. Like we had to fight for women to breastfeed in public. Like Teach, but we can, women can wear short skirts. We can wear our boobs out. But all of the things that are beneficial to our health and our babies, we cannot do. Like we had to. Like for decades, we had to advocate for all of the Great states point. in America that it was okay for women to breastfeed in public. Wow. And that's being covered. Like, how wow. bizarre is that? So this world, yes. Brother Terrence, the, the things that women need to do individually is to get out of this world. Like, we can't continue to pretend like we can live in peace. And I bring this up, you know, because you know, there's there's these realities that we're we're under, uh, and we're we're wrapping down, you all. So uh, we're around the last ten minutes because you know, I'm I'm trying to wrap my mind around this this real kind of closing question as far as, you know, looking at your area of, of public health, looking at some of the things that um, Sister Pamela says about sex trafficking and, and the danger of you know um, of our women. Um, 
so I guess until we're able to separate, you know, until we're able to separate. I, so coming out of the national training, martial arts training, you know, we are, one of the things I remember Grandmaster Anthony saying one time, you know, we'll be in a martial arts class or seminar and somebody's asking, how do you get out of a double-decker choke lock upside down, back, you know, whatever, <laughs> somebody unlocked you up. And the first thing he would say is, how did you get in that position in the first place? How did you allow yourself to be, you know, Amen. put in this position that you have to find a technique to get out? So I guess sort of my question would be, what are some of the the things and guides to help our young girls as they're developing into women and some of the guides for our women of things that they need to do, preventative measures that they need to look at, whether it be in the, the, the medical sense, you know, when they go into the doctor or their own personal health, or as they're navigating this this sensic world as we're trying you know as we're trying to get out of it, what are some of some of some some basic tools if you had to do a seminar if you had to do a zoom and I know sister Mariam has some things that our young girls and our black women can utilize to help navigate these spaces yes, sir, of course, this is something I love. All right. There we go. So, <laughs> Marianne talks about self-love. So in building on what she, and I'm pretty sure she has other sessions, when we build from self-love, one of the things we need to teach our girls to know their bodies, teaching them like That's a right. cycle, and not just when they're menstruating, but when they're ovulating. Women, we all need That's to right. know their bodies. So I won't go into details, but conception training, so women and our girls know their bodies inside out, how it operates, what is all of those things. So we need to teach them that reproductive and otherwise. Then we need to encourage promoting marriage. I was going to say plan pregnancy, mm, but we, that's something that we are not, we're not doing a great job of doing, promoting marriage. And the reason why I say okay. that is because having that peaceful birth that we're talking about, it is not just a woman birthing. It is her having that support. And some of the stories right. we hear is that when that black man is there, that offers a peace of mind, knowing that you have someone in the room that will yes, tear Lord. down treatment for you is something that gives a woman a peace when she's birthing during that process. So marriage. Great Next point. thing is planning our pregnancy. What it, whenever, what is the best time? Who we have that? control of our bodies. We think that is rolling the dice as far as getting pregnant. If we know our bodies, we know we can time it the month, the year we want to have a child. When is the best time for us to have? So that's the next thing, planning our pregnancy. And then choosing once a woman is pregnant, she needs to shop around for a provider that is beneficial to us, to her. So not beneficial to me, Sister Michonne and Sister Marianne, we can make references for um, a provider that we use, but we must interview. And just like in a relationship, That's you want right. somebody that you can click with. It's the same thing. When you're on that table or in that room, you want a provider that if something goes wrong, that they are going to get consent. They are not going to take over your birth. So whether that is a midwife or whether that is an OB, she must take the time to interview and ask the questions. And the questions are not right. how many C-sections you have, how many NICU babies. We want all those data numbers. Like, what do you do to build trust? 
how are you going to get consent? Yes, when I have a question, what are you going to do? Because the data can say one thing, but the quality of how a provider treats you is another thing. So those are some of the things that I think are, uh, from an individual's perspective that she can work on uh, as we tear down this system, like you were saying. And i yeah. got to say this before I get in trouble. Thank you for those. Before I get in trouble, you have to close out with some words of this weekend's first virtual <laughs> singles <laughs> retreat. Because Sister oh. A.T. will kill me. We've been rolling, the singles retreat been rolling since 2004, <laughs> Healthy Healthy Relations Initiative. Um, so just talk about that. Let folks know what's going on so they can get involved. Well, before I say that, I want to thank you all once again uh, for this platform. But I want to say, just because I know it's been recorded, I want to thank Minister Ava for being a great example for uh, being the national representative of our minister, of example of a beautiful black woman. The sisters in New Orleans, we love you, and we've been talking about you since the first time you spoke in July. We, I mean, you have a, a gang. I mean, they're all over the nation, but the sisters in New Orleans, we love you, and thank you so much for being that representative. So this weekend, the first ever 2020 uh, singles virtual weekend is happening. Unfortunately, registration has closed. We have 470 something single believers in our nation that registered for this uh, singles uh, retreat. Uh, the website is healthyrelationshipinitiatives.com. We have an awesome group of panelists. It's all day, and we have interactive workshops. Uh, from 10.30 to 7 on, uh, that's 10.30 Central Time on Saturday. And then, because we had so many great speakers, we had to go do a day two on Sunday at 2 p.m. until 6 p.m. We're going to have a karaoke night on Saturday, on Sunday, and Brother Terrence is leading a bonfire <gasps> as well. So we're going to turn up virtual style this weekend. So I'm very excited. The team has been working really hard. Almost 500 single believers will be in attendance, and we have a virtual singles directory, and you had to be verified to be in there, so we're not letting anybody in that's not active and single. So that's it. Praise God. Actively uh, (laughs) single, not saying you single. That is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. And yes, please, you know, the registration is closed, but thank, like I said, Sister AT and all of the staff and all those that work um, diligently. Sister AT never lets it down. And the staff, new and old, they have consistently been a part of making the singles retreat, the really not singles retreat anymore, is the Healthy Relationship Initiative. It has burst into that after we had the wonderful family summit down in Atlanta with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, so I'm waiting for my cue, but I know I'm looking at the, my own clock. we got about two minutes. You know, we just want to, once again, like you said, Sister Michonne, thank Dr. Ava for this wonderful platform. Thank her for her consistency of teaching us, guiding us, and helping the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan 
Um, she has allowed for the image of the black woman to be seen literally all over the world through her That's teaching, right. through her example, That's through right. her guidance, and that has helped with the, you know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has produced lots more Dr. Ava's. We heard all of those strong, powerful sisters that are under the tutelage and guidance of the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught today by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So I'm just happy that all of us are on here. And uh, Sister Mariam, co-host, anything you would like to say as we got one minute and 30 seconds before we close out? The only thing I will say is tune in next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since that's all you had, once again, please go back, watch, study, parse, the Criterion, the Criterion, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. But tomorrow night, join us at 7.30 p.m. NOI.org, 7.30 p.m. NOI.org for our self-improvement, the basis for community development. And this Sunday at 11, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, NOI.org for our Sunday lecture. And every Wednesday, the time and what must be done the time and what must be done. Go back and look at all 58 series of the time and what must be done at NOI.org. And remember to support Dr. Ava, ministerava.com. Once again, you have listened and tuned in to Elevated Places. Thank Sister Rona, Dr. Ava, Sister Mariam, Sister (laughs) Mashad, Sister Pamela, Brother Ruben. Thank you all for once again tuning in to Elevated Places. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How is this still on my phone? I am still on here.